I think I've earned a bit of wisdom that comes when you are 40 years old and yet 40 still carries a lot of potential. There's this opportunity to change things that maybe you don't like. So it's a sweet spot right now. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. I've missed you. (laughs) It's been so strange to not be here with you every week. And I'm going to kind of catch you up on a life update in just a minute, but I also wanted to let you know what the heck it is that I'm going to be talking about today. So I'm celebrating a really big birthday, my 40th birthday, and it has gotten me thinking a lot about birthdays and time and age and all of those middle lifey thingies. Uh, So today's episode is going to be just me talking to you very candidly, very vulnerably about what being 40 means to me and what the passage of time means to me and what it feels like to be at this phase. So just to catch you up just on where I am in the world and what has been going on in my life the last month and a half that I've been away, Um, the last I talked to you, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed because we had a lot of different things coming up on the horizon. And I know many of you can relate because the end of this summer is very chaotic in good and hard ways for most people. And so since I last talked to you, we went from Door County, Wisconsin, where we were basically spending some time this summer, um, some exciting leisurely time, and then working from Wisconsin time. Uh, We led a retreat there. I led a retreat and my husband, Jamie catered it. And then I was teaching online and then I was also um, doing book tour stuff. So it was very wonderful. And then we went from Door County, Wisconsin to Illinois, where my family is, my mom and sister. And then we flew out of Chicago to the East Coast 
to spend a weekend on Cape Cod with our East Coast friends. My husband grew up in Massachusetts and we celebrated a communal 50th birthday for Jamie and all of his guy friends and all of the partners planned this surprise weekend for the guys. We had kept it secret for months and then finally announced it to them a couple of months ago. And so they knew a a little bit about what was going to happen, but it was just so amazing to be reunited with these friends and spend a few days together. And we had an adult's night out and then we had other days where it was like family friendly. We went to a water park, we hung out at the hotel pool And it was just like those college days when you would just hang out with like your roommates and just kind of sit and relax and catch up and be silly. That's what it felt like. And it was wonderful. And it was great to celebrate this big milestone with my husband and all of his childhood and high school friends. So that was amazing. And then we had a mad dash back to Florida. (laughs) So we left Massachusetts, flew back to Chicago, got our vehicles, then drove for two days down to Florida. And then our son started school and it was a bit chaotic because our rental house in Florida was being short-term rented over the summer and so we couldn't get back into it right away so we had to live in our neighbor's house for about a week (laughs) and then we got to come back to this house and get our stuff out of the storage unit and put it in back into the house It was a lot of effort, but it kind of made sense economically so that we didn't have to pay for rent over the summer when we were in Wisconsin and the owners got to rent it out while we were gone. And so it was a win-win, but a lot of work and effort to get stuff into storage unit and then get stuff out of storage units. And it was just a lot in the midst of our son starting school again. They start very early in early August here in Florida and it was god-awful hot, like so hot. A lot of people kept on saying it was like the hottest summer they can remember in a long time. Finally, it has started to cool off to the (laughs) mid-80s, but it was hot. So it was hard coming back to a lot of chaos at once. And so it was just that and and everything and just readjusting and reacclimating and a little bit of sadness actually a lot of sadness about missing my family my mom and my sister so it was so wonderful to be by them a few times this summer and hang out with them and then to leave and then come back to Florida and not have them a drive away was just a little hard to readjust to and just wanting to be there with them and for them. It's been a little bit difficult. So that mentally, emotionally, physically has been a little bit taxing. And also some very beautiful things. Like I was reminded right away of how kind our neighbors are, especially the ones who let us stay in their house when we didn't have a home when we first came back here because it was being rented out and just the neighbors on the block are so sweet we were just at one of their houses for a, a labor day barbecue and 
Everyone is really, really kind to us. And I'm also a part of a community of entrepreneurial women and we meet up regularly. And I was talking to them the other day and saying how there was a span where Jamie was gone for a week right when we first moved back to Florida because he had a memorial service for his aunt. And so he was gone for six days. And so it was solo parenting and And I had a lot of different things going on. I had a a book reading that had been scheduled for a long time. And so I was the the keynote speaker or featured reader, what have you. And I had Gio with me and it was more of like an adult kind of gathering. And so it was like, what do we do with him? And my friend in the women's entrepreneurial group was like, so the next time that happens, you call me immediately because that is what we are here for. You can drop him off at our house. <laughs> and it's just a wonderful reminder that help is always there. You just have to be willing to ask sometimes. So yes, that's where we are. And we've gotten settled again, but also some big things happening here for me is that my 40th birthday is in September and by the time you hear this I will have turned 40 and it's gotten me thinking about so many things. So as I was trying to think about the structure of this episode, I thought about a lot of different ways to do it. I was going to have someone come on and play guest host and kind of interview me. I was maybe thinking about doing an age podcast with Jamie because he just turned 50 and me turning 40 and us kind of talking to each other about age. And then I just kept feeling that I wanted to be really vulnerable. I wanted to really speak from an honest, raw place and open up about the many different emotions that are existing right now in my world. And I didn't want to feel like I had to edit that in any way based on you know, who I might be talking to. I don't know. I just, I almost wanted to speak to you the way that I would speak to my diary. And so that's what I'm doing. So the structure for today is borrowed from a Substack newsletter that I've just started following, subscribing to that I really, really like. I've been getting deep into Substack lately. I am subscribed to Shauna Nequist's Substack, Emily McDowell's, now Elizabeth Gilbert has one, Letters from Love. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for those to start coming through. She just announced it. And Sarah Blondin's I'm on as well. And then those people recommend who they read. And I believe it was Emily McDowell recommended Oldster, which is, this is how it's described, Oldster old stir magazine is not like other aging related media a word about how and why i'm exploring what it means to travel through time in a human body at every phase of life and the person who writes it is sorry botten so i really kind of attached to this idea what it means to travel through time in a human body 
at every phase of life. And I just thought, yes, please. And then I got further interested because one of the things that happens on Oldster is there are interviews with people about aging. And Cheryl Strayed was interviewed on Oldster about being 54. And I just devoured that interview online. And I loved the questions that were asked. And so those are the questions that I'm going to be answering for you today. Also, I made it a point to not prepare in that I don't have written out answers. I have no idea how I'm going to respond to these. I want it to feel as authentically raw and honest as possible. And so I just kind of copied and pasted the questions onto a Word document. So you will be as surprised as I am about what I'm going to say. (laughs) So it's an experiment. We'll see how this goes. But genuinely, I just wanted to be honest and open. Okay, so let's dive in all about turning 40, 40, 40. Okay, so the first question is, how old are you? And of course, it is 40. I am a Virgo. And I've gotten a bit into astrology because of Heidi Rose Robbins. And so it's both my sun and my rising sign, Virgo. Okay. Is there any other age you associate with yourself in your mind? If so, what is it and why do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel both 10 and ancient (laughs) and 40. (laughs) When I am tapped into my core self, it is a very young, vibrant self. It is me ages 8, 9, 10, probably 7, 8, 9, 10, When I used to rollerblade, I was really good at roller skating. In summer camp, I used to, we would go to the roller rink, Fleetwood Roller Rink in Chicago every week, and I would do the roller skating contest, and then they would do like like roller skate dancing where they play like cool music, and you kind of danced as you skated. And at my core, I am still like that roller skating feathered bangs, neon bike shorts, just silly, active, fun, loving person who also loved curling up with a good book all the time and was kind of shy. But then when you got me going, I was social and and kind of funny. And at my core, I'm still that girl. And I loved exploring. I would get on my bike and just go ride around the neighborhood And there were these certain houses that I always paid attention to, like the gravel rocks that they had around their landscaping, like around the bottom of their trees or their bushes. And I was so infatuated with rocks and I had a rock collection. So I would go to these certain houses that had really cool rocks and gravel and I would like sneak up and look at them and occasionally borrow, i.e. take 
one of the glittery speckled rocks and bring them back for my rock collection. (laughs) So I've always been infatuated with natural beauty. I would ride my bike to Marquette Park and it had like ponds where the ducks were and gardens. And I would just go there as a means of what I now understand as seeking out beauty in the midst of a big, busy city. We lived near Midway Airport. We lived by train tracks and airplanes and a busy street. And so there was always noise and energy. But I immediately sought out calm and peace when I would go to that nearby park. And at my core, I am still that person. And then sometimes, truly, honestly, I feel ancient when I think about hardships that I've been through, um, any number of things, childhood stuff, when I think about infertility struggles, when I think about health stuff, when I think about personal things that have rocked my world, when I think about being homesick at various points in my life when I've lived away from home, when I think about almost dying as a result of internal bleeding after an IVF procedure, when I think about a year and a half ago when my husband had this weird H. pylori thing which created an ulcer in his stomach which then was on a blood vessel which burst and then caused internal bleeding in him and he almost died and I had to call 911 when he passed out and he was in the hospital for five days. Um, Really scary stuff. I feel about a million years old and then other days I feel my age. Other days I feel 40. Okay, Do you feel old for your age, young for your age, just right? Are you in step with your peers? I've always been an old soul, which is interesting because I was one of the youngest in my class always because I had a September birthday and typically September or sometimes August is a cutoff for like entering elementary school. But for whatever reason, I think my birthday because of being early September was right at the cusp. And so they let me in. And so I was always the youngest in my grade. When I went to college, I was 17. You know, I I turned 18 a month after I entered college. So even though I was young in my grade, I've always felt like an old soul. I've always gravitated towards those older than me. When I was younger, I wanted to be like the older girls. I wanted to be cool. (laughs) I wanted to have like older experiences. Oh my gosh. I just watched the movie, Are You There? God, It's Me, Margaret. And it brought back a whole world about like, I remember being in fifth or yeah, fifth grade and being like, oh, I can't wait to get my period and, you know, and develop. (laughs) And I can't wait to be a teenager and have freedom and have, you know, fall in love and And then as a young adult, it's like, ooh, you know, I can't wait to live on my own and um, have an amazing career. I always was looking a step ahead. And even now, I'm very much drawn to those older than me. A lot of the people I've become close with over the years are, are a good decade older than me. I don't think it's a surprise also that Jamie is a decade older than me. I'm just drawn to 
people who are a bit older than me. They carry a wisdom that I can learn from. And of course, I still love people my age and younger, but that's just how I gravitate. But lately, I've been feeling like I don't want time to speed ahead the way that I used to. I used to want time to pass quickly so I could get to the next phase. And I think it's with Geo being 10 that I want to pump the brakes. I want to slow down time. (laughs) Actually, I feel both ways. I want to slow down time because he is growing up so fast. And yet there are days when I go, okay, in eight years, when he's 18 and he's off at college, will I maybe feel less anxious on a daily basis (laughs) because I'm no longer (laughs) worried about every single decision, you know, parenting decision and just doing all of my thoughts are, are focused on how to give Gio a good life, how to be a good emotional support for him, how to foster him in this world, how to foster his talents and creativity, but also not teach him like a striving mentality, how to give him a good education, but not put pressure on him to perform, how to keep him safe. Oh my gosh, that occupies every single thought, how to give him a good social life and and all of that because he's an only child. You know, where is the best place for us to live? That was the thought for the last few years, which brought us here, at least for now. You know, it's like every thought almost always that I think about, I think about the ramifications that it will have on him. So there are days when I wonder, okay, well, when he's in college, will it occupy as much mental space? (laughs) And yet at the same time, I don't want him to live away from us ever. So that's how I feel. Uh, What do you like about being your age? Mm. I think that there is a level of respect earned that comes with 40. 40 doesn't read as naive the way that 20 does. (laughs) And I'm grateful for that because while I'll always be more naive than those ahead of me, I feel much less naive. I think I've earned a level of, hmm, respect is interesting, like earned just this a bit of wisdom that comes when you are 40 years old and Yet 40 still carries a lot of potential. There's this opportunity to change things that maybe you don't like. There's an opportunity to do new, different things. So it's a sweet spot right now, I think, in the way that maybe, I don't know, maybe different ages don't carry this same sweet spot. But I won't know that until I'm a different age, so I can't speak for those other ages. What's difficult about being your age? Mm, Being aware of the world and the uncertainty of the world. While I'm glad I'm no longer the naive 20-year-old I once was, I sometimes wish and yearn for that same naivete to not really truly understand the way the world is hurting, what we've done to this planet, 
all of the things that can go wrong. Um, You know, at 40, I have seen with my own eyes and have watched my friends and family members, loved ones, everyone go through something very hard that they did not see coming. And so now at 40, I know that all of those things exist, which means that they could also happen to me and the people I love and all the other people in the world. And I don't want any of the bad stuff to happen to anyone. So sometimes I wish that I lived in the pre-internet era where I didn't know about the suffering on the mass scale, where I was sheltered in a bubble of my own self-absorbed existence. (laughs) Some days I just wish for that so that I can turn my brain off. What is surprising about being your age or different from what you expected based on what you were told? Oh, I thought when I was younger that at 40, I would have it all together. (laughs) That, I mean, that there would just, I would just be in a place where having it all together means that I think I thought that I would be assured and sure about everything and thank goodness maybe that I'm not and will never have it quote unquote all together because that leaves no room for change and growth and expansion and at the same time there are days where I go well how come you haven't learned this yet? How come you, I mean, you know, you've been dealing with the same issue X, Y, Z for how many years? And here we are again. But that has taught me deep, deep self-compassion, deep self-compassion. Self-compassion is the biggest work that I've been doing over the last decade in my therapy. And, oh, Um, I imagine I'll be doing it my whole life and I feel for the younger me who didn't have that same level of self-compassion. Also, what's surprising about being my age, different from what I expected, I think I expected to have a totally different life in many ways and That's so interesting to me. When I was younger, I didn't think I would be married or have kids. I wanted to live in a high rise in Chicago and have a big fancy job. And I didn't foresee a partner or children in my future. I don't know if that's because I grew up on the South side in a a working class neighborhood where I didn't see that many women who were self-sustained individuals with high power careers. And I saw what it was like for many of the women to have to depend on their breadwinner husbands for support. And by breadwinner, I mean, you know, they were still doing working class, many labor intensive jobs. And so there wasn't much money to go around anyways. And then add to that, just that it was a one income household in many of my friends' homes. And so I think I wanted to break out of that mold. 
and have some high-powered career as a woman and pay my own way and have a very, I don't know, luxurious living. And so then later when I met Jamie and, you know, was just so giddy and gaga, it was like, oh, I do want a partner. I was never one of those girls who like played wedding. Um, Actually, this is a funny story. When I was playing Barbies when I was younger, my I was home one Saturday with my stepdad because my mom worked at a bank and she worked on Saturdays and I was playing Barbies and I was role playing and I said to my dad, I was like, all right, well, I, I took one of my Barbies. I was role playing as her and I was like, all right, so you're going to watch my kids because I'm going on a date. <laughs> and he was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and it was just like this thought, like I always had a, I, so when I was younger, didn't think I would have like kids, but then when playing Barbies, it was like, I knew I wanted to like be out and about as an independent Barbie <laughs> in my role playing. Um, and then I met Jamie and wanted partnership and children. We always thought we would have two kids or more. We both come from two children households. So I have many feelings about that. After we had such a hard time getting pregnant with Gio, we thought a second kid would be on the horizon. But then after Gio was born, we moved from Massachusetts to Illinois. And it was like, okay, that was a big transition. And that time wasn't the right time. And then Every time I would think about what my body had been through with with infertility and IVF stuff, I would just shudder and I'd go, oh my God, I don't know if I could do that again. I also had a very hard pregnancy. I was really sick and I was just like, oh God, I would shudder at the thought of what it would physically do to my body, not only the hormone treatments, but then the pregnancy and then more time passed. And then the more time that passed, it was like, oh gosh you know, Gio's now more independent. Do we want to go back to the diaper phase? And then it was like, just time passed. And then before we knew it, time almost kind of made up its mind for us. And now Gio's 10 and I'm 40 and Jamie's 50. And I think the hard part is that if I said to Jamie, I would have another child, he would jump for joy. And I, I can't, I just can't. And I think this is a hard thing to hold that I don't want to put my body through that again. And I also don't want to be in the sleep deprived newborn stage either. And I absolutely cherish our relationship with Gio, where he is the center of our world and our attention. And I don't want to jeopardize that. And yet I feel sad sometimes that he doesn't have a sibling. So that's, I think, how I thought things would be different in terms of um, home life. And and of course, never expected to live in Florida. (laughs) 
I didn't expect to live in Massachusetts. I didn't expect to live in Florida. I don't think I expected all. We have lived on the East Coast, the Midwest, down South. We've lived in apartments, uh, like an old farmhouse type situation with a big, huge yard in a 1905 old house with a big yard in Massachusetts, rural Massachusetts. We've lived in suburbs. We lived in right in the heart of Chicago in a third floor walk-up apartment and also an Airstream camper for three months. You know, I, I couldn't have predicted any of that. What has aging given you? Hmm. Hmm. Gratitude. I'm shocked I'm here, quite honestly. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, I made really, really poor decisions at the end of high school and in early college years. I partied my behind off and I just, I mean, some of my college girlfriends and I sit and we go, how did we get out of there alive? Like, how did we survive that very heavy party scene with way too much alcohol and so I'm grateful to be here, to be here. Yeah. Um, what has aging taken away from you? Mm. It's weird. My first answer was time, but it's given me time, but it's taken away time. Because <laughs> the older I get, the less time I have, but the older I get, the less time I had, right? How strange. Uh, how has getting older affected your sense of yourself or your identity? Oh, gosh. I had no idea who the heck I was as a teenager and young adult. I was such a chameleon, such a chameleon. I could morph myself into any friend group possible. So I was on swim team and track and cross country and I would just morph myself into an athlete. And then I came from um, a lower middle class background where at times money was very, very tight. I remember my parents having an argument because my dad bought me track shoes. I needed running shoes for track and that was not in the budget and it caused a huge fight. And between my parents just to have a pair of gym shoes. So money was very tight. But then I went throughout my life. I, I went to like a Catholic elementary school. And then in high school, I went to a private school that I'm sure my parents were deeply struggling to send me to, but it was in a very affluent neighborhood with a lot of very affluent kids. And so I would just kind of, luckily we wore uniforms. So it wasn't a daily, like who's who, what are you wearing type popularity contest, but I would morph myself into not showing, you know, that money was really tight in our home. So I could blend in with some of the more wealthy kids. I would blend into like, Oh, you guys like that music. I like that music too. And I just, I was so worried about belonging that I didn't sometimes own my true identity, but there were certain friendships where it would come out where it's like, oh, that funny, fun-loving, dorky side of me was showcased and accepted. And the older I've gotten, the more and more I'm very aware of who I am, what I like, and I own it. And in fact, everything is based 
off of that. Like the business I have is, is based off of my love for writing and wellness for books and meditation and working with women. And so that nerdy side is all out in full force and I love it. What are some age related milestones you're looking forward to or ones you missed and might try to reach later off schedule according to our culture and its expectations Age-related milestones you're looking forward to. I want to do something that really uses my physical body sometime soon, like a long hike or something that puts my body to the test in some ways because I'm very aware that, that I'm at a place where maybe in 30 years, my body will not respond the same that it does right now to physical activity. And I want to use my strength to prove to myself and to create a sort of memory milestone that I can do something really cool physically. And let's see. What has been your favorite age so far and why? Would you go back to this age if you could? Hmm, 22. <laughs> I knew that very quickly. Uh, 22, why? I had a great year when I was 22 in that I was in grad school for creative writing. So my world we revolved around just writing all the time and I was reading all the time and in class writing classes and it was everything that was I, I had a job too but I was working at Chicago magazines and that was really cool and fun and kind of glamorous but it was just like writing was what I ate slept and breathed and then I met Jamie when I was 22 on vacation when I was in Tampa Florida and he was on vacation at the same time. And to feel the feelings of deep love, oh my gosh. And that, you know, the honeymoon phase is just so electric. I also eventually, I don't know if it was 23, then I ended up moving into my own studio apartment and proving to myself that I could be independent living in Chicago in my studio and, you know, hindsight is everything because at the time I remember so many hard things. It was like, oh, it was really hard to juggle grad school and my job. It was really hard to be long distance from Jamie when we started long distance dating. It was actually really, really difficult. I remember living in my studio apartment and feeling like really anxious for the first not for the first time I've been anxious my whole life but like feeling anxious like when going to bed and just being like oh I'm by myself so like I need to lock the doors and be my own watch person and I just had this kind of like weird hard time with feeling like there was no one there to protect me so it's you know everything is like rose-colored glasses but there was just so much possibility at that age of like, you could go out one night and your whole world could change. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> and uh, Cheryl Strait actually talked about this in her Oldster article as well about like possibilities 
feeling like you have possibility, more possibility when you're younger versus when you're older, even though you still do. I also really liked last year because I kind of embraced my my beach girl side when we moved down here to this beach town and joined a paddleboarding group and the sunshine was really helpful and I met a bunch of new friends and maybe I loved it so much because it did remind me that there is potential and possibility for change at any age. So 39 was pretty good too. Although it had its hardships as well. I, you know, missing my mom and my sister. Let's see. Would you go back to this age if you could? I wouldn't go back to those different ages. I think they were what they were for the time that they were. Is there someone who's older than you who makes growing older inspiring to you? Who is your aging idol and why? I know right away who this is. That is Miss Elizabeth Gilbert. I love watching her. I think that she she embraces the wisdom and self-compassion and self-awareness I hope to have as I get older. And I just like watching her as a human on how she interacts with the world. She took a long break from social media. She has been sober for the last few years in many different respects, not just like drugs, alcohol, sober, but like all areas. She talks about this on the Quitted podcast and like sober as a a lifestyle and a mentality. And I'm not a big drinker anymore as I was in college, Um, but I just like watching how she thinks of sobriety as like also including that internal integrity, being true to who you are, being honest with like a situation that's not serving you, not being codependent. So like those things are the things that I really like watching people who are in any kind of recovery programs, whether it's codependency recovery or what have you, because they typically tend to be the most self-aware And they speak up about what they need and what they want to others and to themselves. They have really good boundaries. So many of the people I admire deeply are in that category. Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle. These are people who tell the truth to the outside world and to themselves. And that's what I've been working on a lot, a lot over the last decade of Telling myself the truth when I feel a certain way about something like, hmm, you really don't like this thing and not just like shoving it under the rug. Um, I have created a lot of healthy boundaries. I've been getting more in check with my own codependency. I thought I was a super independent person. Turns out I let everyone else's emotions shape me, change me, rattle me. I think that I have to basically take charge of everybody else, help them with their decisions. I don't know why I feel this way. Maybe being type A firstborn Virgo and a number one on the Enneagram. But um, I have a lot to unravel in those areas. So I just love watching people who are on that same journey of integrity. I really like that. And yeah. Okay. 
What aging-related adjustments have you made recently, style-wise, beauty-wise, health-wise? Okay, I used to wear high heels all the time. I do not anymore. (laughs) I uh, used to wear a lot more makeup. I do not anymore. So these are style and beauty-wise. I have come to terms with the wrinkles around my eyes, the laugh lines around my eyes, and the many wrinkles around my neck, and my sagging skin everywhere. (laughs) When I say come to terms, I don't know if that's the right word. I've noticed and held myself in love. And health-wise, oh gosh, Everything is health-wise. I was thinking about a list the other day. Again, thinking back to like when I was 20 versus now, or like, you know, 17, 18 versus now. I mean, now I always get seven to eight hours of sleep. I eat well. I try to eat organic. I'm typically gluten-free, dairy-free, you know, filtered water, filtered even shower nozzles to take out the chlorine in the water. I, uh, I move my body every day. I try to journal and meditate. You know, I wear sunscreen like crazy. I just really try to take care of myself. And then I think back to there's like a three or four year span in high school and early college where I made the opposite of all of those choices. Didn't sleep enough. I smoked cigarettes socially. I I was still active. I've always been active. You know, I ate like crap. I would not eat that much if we were going out night of drinking, but then, you know, next day eat like crap oh gosh I just didn't I I did tanning beds for a couple of years this fair skin should never have been in a tanning bed and I'm just truly honestly hoping and praying that my poor decisions of those late high school early college years don't backfire on me because I've been very healthy for a very long time I mean everything I don't drink that much I don't drink caffeine I just Every decision that I used to make, I don't make anymore. And I'm just hoping the the things that I did don't catch up with me. What's an aging-related adjustment you refuse to make and why? (laughs) Okay, so this could be a hot topic for women, and I want to make it very clear. I do not care at all what other age-related adjustments people make for themselves but I have chosen not to do Botox and injectables and I I'm just trying to embrace you know the skin situation (laughs) and at the same time it's so contradictory because I recently realized that I have many gray hairs And I still highlight my hair. Maybe one day I'll grow out all the gray, but you know, so I cover up one thing and then don't the other. Who knows? There's no judgment to anyone, but I've just tried to personally go, okay, here are the wrinkles and I look as old as I am, I guess. (laughs) That's in terms of appearance, but in terms of just life, I... And there I've, oh, this is a big one. I have really 
push back against status quo. If I were following status quo, I would own the house that I'm in. I would have kept the well-established professor position I used to have. You know, I might have multiple kids. I wouldn't have spoken up for my needs and wants. And the older I get, the more I refuse the status quo. I refuse to conform. And that has been huge. What's your philosophy? Second to last question. What's your philosophy on celebrating birthdays as an adult? I will celebrate birthdays forever and ever and ever. When I was very young, well, all the way up until I went to go live on my own, my parents always made a big deal out of birthdays in terms of decorating and cakes. So when you woke up in the morning, you woke up to banners and streamers and the little table pop-up sign and the cake was cooling on the stove. In the middle of the night, my fairy parents would just do all these things magically so that you would wake up at you know 6 30 and know that you were thought about and cared about and the first birthday that i spent in massachusetts with jamie he did not know this and he had made a dinner reservation or something like that but he woke up gave me a kiss on the cheek wished me a happy birthday and i was like uh oh, where are the streamers <laughs> i know i know now though guess what he knows the tradition and he hangs the streamers at night and I still do it. I do it for him and Geo, and he does it for me. And I always make a big deal out of his birthdays. Like, you know, this whole thing I planned on Cape Cod and he is throwing me a 40th birthday with the neighbors and friends in the area. So I'm very grateful. So yes, we'll always celebrate birthdays. They are a big deal. And how do you celebrate yours? Well, this year I am doing something for myself and I am going on a retreat in October. And that is my birthday gift to myself. Time away to be with myself and work on me and maybe meet some other beautiful souls at this retreat. But retreats, oh gosh, they are the best gifts that I've ever given to myself. All right, friends, that is everything. Interesting where that took us. I wonder if you might ponder these same questions for yourself. Once again, I got the structure from Oldster on Substack led by Sari Button. I think these are great questions to reflect on. And I had a lot of fun just thinking about this with you and being kind of candid and very candid and just diary-like with you. So if you're wondering what's to come this season, well, put on your seatbelts because (laughs) we have amazing, amazing guests. I'm going to do a state of the podcast episode in the future, but we have some amazing things in store and some interesting changes and what you can expect moving forward for this season is a lot of great conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts. Yes, yes, you are in for a treat. I can't wait for you to see who's coming on the show. 
All right, friends, do me a favor, please. Will you share this show with someone? Please, pretty please. It makes all the difference. If you're feeling really motivated, you can follow and subscribe. Hopefully you already do. But if you're feeling extra motivated on Apple iTunes, you can give a review. Five stars and some wonderful comments would be great if you're feeling up to it. It just lets other people know that this matters to you. And so it'll put it in front of new people. You know, those algorithm things. Special thanks to my producer, Michelle Radel, who's the best. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week. Thank you.